All right, good morning to everyone. Good morning, good morning, good morning. And welcome to the well here at SCSA where we are, as you saw in the video right there, we're talking about anger. We are in part four of a series called Anger Management. And what we've been looking at for the past several weeks, kind of get you caught up in case you're just stopping by today for the first time, is we're talking about different expressions of anger and how we can fulfill the biblical command to be angry and do not sin. That's what the scripture teaches us in Ephesians chapter 4. It's not that to stop getting angry, because what we've seen is that anger is one of those things that there's different ways of expressing anger. Like you may not be the exploder, but you may be the imploder. You may not be the manipulator, but you may be the martyr. There's different ways. Some people internalize, some verbalize, some go forth, some go inside. We all struggle with anger to some degree, and we're trying to see is how we can deal with that anger and not sin. How we can deal with the anger in a God-honoring, God-pleasing way in this life. We talked about the past couple weeks. We talked about the different types of anger. Kind of had some fun with that. We talked about how to resolve conflict. We talked about the number one most important thing. If anyone remembers, the number one most important thing is not a technique, but a mindset. And that mindset is to take initiative. That we are to do whatever it is within our ability, as much as depends on us to live at peace. And that means that we can't just sit back and just say, he needs to come to me or she needs to apologize. That we need to be peacemakers, not peace or wisher forers. Last week, we talked about boundaries, and we said how you cannot, you cannot live healthy relationally unless you have healthy boundaries, unless you know what you are responsible for and what you are responsible to, that what belongs on the inside, what belongs on the outside, and that was what we talked about last week. Now, today's message is titled, The Need to Please. We're going to talk about people pleasing and living for the approval or behaving for the approval of someone else. Now, you may say right off the bat is, what does people pleasing have to do with anger? What does people pleasing have to do with this topic of, 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 of anger and like what's the connection between the two? Well, if there's one thing that I hope you've seen over the past three weeks in this series is that anger is more about your insides than it is your outsides. Meaning anger is a lot more about what's going on inside you than what is going on outside of you. That maybe the problem isn't everybody else around me. Maybe it's not my boss. Maybe it's not my spouse. Maybe it's not my kids. Maybe it's not my traffic. Maybe it's not all those things outside me. Maybe it's me. Because when me on the inside is good, I can face those same things and be calm. But when me on the inside is bad, no matter what I face, I'm not calm. I said this uh, in the very beginning of the series. If you say, I'm a calm person, I don't have an anger problem. But my wife is crazy. My kids are crazy. My boss is crazy. Everyone around me is crazy. Well, let's just think about this for a second. What is in common between your boss, your spouse, your kids, everyone around you? The common denominator is you. You're the common denominator, so maybe it is you. Maybe it is you after all. Maybe it's not everybody else. Maybe it's not I get so angry because of the traffic, because the same traffic that you were sitting in is the same traffic somebody else sat in, and they seem to be able to stay calm. You couldn't. And in fact, I bet you that you probably were calm on Monday and the same traffic you weren't calm on Tuesday. So maybe it's not the traffic. Maybe it's you. Maybe, maybe you're not the only one in the world who's got a boss who asked them to stay late on a Friday. Maybe you're not the only one in the world who has that circumstance, but other people are able not to, to not lose their cool and not to be resentful and put by the voodoo doll with the boss's picture and, and stick pins and needles in them. So maybe it's not your boss. Maybe you're not the only one with kids who don't like to obey. I don't know anyone with kids who do like to obey. Maybe it's not just you or everything around you. Maybe it actually is you. And that's actually what Jesus taught us, right? He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if our mouth is angry, then oftentimes it's not necessarily a function of everyone around me, 
but it is me. So today we're going to talk about people pleasing. And people pleasing is a ticking time bomb inside you. You may not see the connection between people pleasing and desiring to please others and getting angry. But I believe that if you are living for the approval of others and you are seeking to please the wrong people, it is just a matter of time before anger, you can give it whatever words you want, resentfulness, bitterness, okay, upset, frustration, despair, like call whatever you want. If you are struggling, if you don't have this people-pleasing thing figured out, it's just a matter of time before it catches up to you and does some harm to you. Here's our key verse here for today. It comes from Proverbs 29, verse 25. King Solomon writes, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. We're gonna talk about people pleasing today and why fear of man, why pleasing others, why living for that is so bad. Because on the surface, let's agree, people pleasing kind of sounds like a good thing. Like, shouldn't you try to please others? Like, isn't it good to please your children? Isn't it good to please your friends? Absolutely, it's good to please your husband. We know that one, that goes without saying. Like, isn't it good to please the people that you love? Isn't that something that's like an honorable thing? Like, doesn't it say in the Bible you should have a good reputation? Doesn't it say you should esteem others better than yourself? So why is people pleasing so bad? I would argue that somebody who doesn't care at all about the opinion of others is probably a selfish person. Taken to further, it's probably a narcissistic person. Taken to the extreme, someone who doesn't care about what other people think or say, that's what we call sociopathic. Caring about what other people think about you is not bad in and of itself. But like everything, taken to an extreme, it becomes dangerous. Like for example, rest. Rest is a good thing. God wants us to rest. We should rest. But if you take rest to an extreme, that becomes laziness. Eating, it's a good thing. Needed to survive three squares a day. But eating to an extreme becomes gluttony. Well, it's the same thing. Actually, same thing. Like last week, we talked about boundaries. Boundaries, good, healthy. Taken to an extreme becomes isolationism. Same thing when it comes to pleasing others. Well, King Solomon says here, pleasing others, wanting people to like you, good reputation, those are good things. But taken to an extreme, the word he uses here is it becomes a snare. And the word snare paints a picture for the ancient Hebrew people. The word snare, sorry for the bad, ugly visual I'm gonna give you right here. The word snare would give you a picture of like a hook that was in the nose of an animal. Let's say you got a bull or an ox or a, or a cow or something like that. They would stick this snare, this hook. I won't go inside the nose, but let's imagine I go inside the nostrils, okay? And then what happens when I got this hook in my mouth? Well, I'm in a very vulnerable position at that point in time. You can do whatever, like you don't have much control over your life. When there's a hook stuck in your nose like this, you can be led wherever it is that you want. What he's saying right here is those who fear man, seek to please men, it becomes a snare. It controls them. It enslaves them, and they lose their very freedom. Said another way, people-pleasing will make you do things, will make you go places, may make you say certain things that you never wanted to say and that cause a lot of harm to you, but you did it because it was a snare. So let me start right here. Let's make this personal, practical, right from the very get-go. How would your life look different if you didn't care what other people thought about you? How would your life look different if you didn't care what anyone thought about you? Would you wear the same clothes? Would you drive the same car? 
Would you have bought that same house? If, no, if you didn't care what other people thought about you, how would your life look different? Would you discipline your children the same way? Would you sign them up for the same activities? Would you, sorry, would you have done what you did in that relationship with that boyfriend or girlfriend if you didn't care what people thought about you? Would more people around you know about God and know about our church if you didn't care what people thought about you? I'll show you a scary verse that you, that you see what people-pleasing does. Look at John chapter 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, him being Christ, of course. Many believed him. That's great. But because the Pharisees, they did not confess him, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Well, I say to you, are there people around you who don't know that you believe in him because you're more worried about the praise of man than the praise of God? See where this people-pleasing thing can go? See how it can be a snare? That I want to tell people. I want to invite some people. I don't know. So what people-pleasing does is rules me over here. I don't think I need to buy that. I don't really want that. I certainly don't need the debt for that. But the people-pleasing. You see how it works? People-pleasing is dangerous. And you, you end up living as a slave, never at peace, never free. And the result of that is often resentment, anger, and frustration on the inside. Now, with that said, let's realize this. People-pleasing is not a yes or no. It's not a binary. It's not a yes or no or a zero or a one. People-pleasing is a spectrum, meaning there's no one here who's a hundred or a zero on the spectrum. Everyone has a little people-pleaser inside them. And there's some days that we're better than others. Like there's some days we're not feeling really good about ourselves. And you know what? We we're, we're, we're really want that approval from others. We really want, we, there's some days that, you know what? We post that selfie online and we're just like, you know what? Come what may, the results are what the results. But there's other days that we are refresh, refresh, check, check. And we want to see if we get any likes. And we're thinking about, oh no, nobody comment, nobody. And there's some days we're more vulnerable. There's some days we get criticized at work or at home, our mom or our dad. And some days we get, and we take it in a constructive way. There's other days where we're not feeling so good. And other days we get offended and we disagree and we get defensive and we fight back. There's some days we say, you know what? I'm in good shape today. I know this will upset my parents, but it's the right thing to do. I know this will upset my friends, but it's the right thing to do. I know this will not make me popular, but it's the right thing to do. There's some days we're good, and there's other days we compromise, we cut corners because of what other people may say or may think about us. All of us are somewhere on the spectrum, and I know this. I know, I know something about you. I know something about you. I know that there was a point in time in your life, regardless of how secure you are today, there was a point in time in your life where you were an expert people pleaser. I know that about you. But there was a point in time where you not only were expert, but you practiced people-pleasing on a daily basis. And I, I venture this. I say that you were an expert at some point in time. We all were. And if you didn't do anything about it, my fears is probably continued. Because I think, again, the natural course of life will pull you into people-pleasing. So if you weren't intentional but proactive about going against it, you may be struggling with it today. Do you know how I know that you were a people-pleaser? Do you know how I know this about you? You were an expert. You practiced daily. Because you went to middle school. And when you got to middle school, you, like me, discovered the rules of the game. And the rules of the game are this. The only thing that matters in middle school is what people say about you. Right? The only thing that matters. The only thing that matters is what other people say about you, what other people think about you. So your life was to do your best to get this group of people to like you and to avoid this group of people like the plague. That was what you did in middle school. Your goal in middle school, think about it. Go back to middle school. What was the most important thing? Oh, does Joey like me? Oh, is Susie going to invite me to her party? Like, that's all that mattered. 
Who cares about grades? We don't care about math. No one cares about that junk. Get that stuff out of here. No one cares about school. No one cares about, about church at that time. What you care about is, does Joey like me? Is Susie going to invite me to her party? And unless you right now are sitting next to Joey or Susie, you discovered when you got older, none of that stuff mattered. And if you are sitting next to them, congratulations for you. It worked out pretty well. <laughs> Think of, this should not be hard. Like I wrote this in my notes. It took me two seconds. Think of all the dumb things we did in middle school to try to please others. For me, I can think right away, I just go back to my hair. I, at one point in time, okay, back at uh, children of the late 80s, okay, this is where we were, okay, we were where we were in 1988, okay, when I entered seventh grade, where we were was in the Bon Jovi slash WWF era of my life. And Bon Jovi and all the rock and roll and the wrestlers all had the hair, so we all wanted like the long hair. We all wanted like the ponytail, okay? And of course, this was like the cool thing. And there was that kid who had like, a, like we went to Catholic school, so you would have to cut it anyway. But the kid who had like this much ponytail, we were like, oh, yeah. I remember I tried to grow my hair so I could be long and have a ponytail. But what I discovered is my Egyptian roots weren't, weren't doing so well here on me. My hair didn't go down and long. It kind of went up and out, okay? We kind of looked like a, a Middle Eastern Tito Jackson kind of an Afro thing going on right there. So then you know what? What quickly happened is I realized that, that, that that's not going to be my look. And by the time I think I got to eighth grade, or maybe it might have been the start of ninth grade, I don't remember exactly where it was, that's when I entered into my gangster rap phase slash Michael Jordan phase, and that was all about the shaved head. So I shaved the head. But the problem I had going on when I was in like eighth grade, ninth grade, is I hadn't really grown so tall. It was kind of pudgy, okay? And you know, I was I, pudgy and short and kind of more wide than I was tall. And then when you had the shaved head, I kind of looked like, like someone who's just kind of swollen, okay? Just kind of like, you know what I mean? Like I looked like a, a big grape or something like that. I even remember my dad. My dad loved me and the kindest, but my dad's logical. My dad one day came in to have a discussion with me. He said, you know what? Given the shape of your body and the shape of your head, I consider a more natural look for you is what he told me, okay? We all did stupid things when we were in middle school to try to impress others, try to please others, try to be the popular guy, try to be the popular girl. We all did it. My question to you is, are you still doing it? And I believe that if you didn't do something about it, if you didn't intentionally go against people pleasing, you may still be doing it without realizing it. Why are you really pursuing that promotion? Would you be pursuing it as much if you didn't care what people thought about you? Why'd your grades really suffer when you were in college? Why your grades really aren't that good in graduate school right now? Is it because you're more worried about what people think about you and being the party guy or the fun guy? Why'd you really do that in your relationship? You know God's law. You know God's command to purity. Why'd you really do it? Why is it that when we say friends and family, they invite someone to church? Be honest. What's the real reason that you won't invite someone to church? What's the real reason that person doesn't know you go to church on Sundays? When we were kids, we knew it was wrong to do things because other people wanted us to do it. After school specials, if they taught us one thing in life, we learned peer pressure is bad. But as adults, it's easier to justify that, no, I'm doing what I want. And this is what, I, it's easier to justify and convince ourselves we're doing it for ourselves. I'll give you an example of St. Peter. St. Peter, we would all agree, man of high moral character. Would we not agree that St. Peter, okay, one of the 12 
the one like the leader of the 12, on this rock I will build my church, guy who spoke on the day of Pentecost in front of so many people, guy who wasn't scared to get martyred, like St. Peter, we would agree. St. Peter, moral character, ethical, high. Wanted to please God, high. Didn't care with other people. For the most part, we'd say he's pretty high, but did you know there was a point in time where Jesus came to Peter and said, Peter, we said to all of them, said, tonight, y'all are gonna go? Y'all are gonna deny me? And St. Peter said, never, Lord, never. I will never leave you. I will die with you. I will follow you to the very end. All these other fools may leave you, but never me, Lord, never me. And Jesus pulled him aside and said, hey, Peter, I got news for you. And Jesus predicted it and told him the exact circumstance. And we read it here in Luke 22, verse 33. Peter says, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I will never care what other people say. I'm ready to go with you, prison and death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three, deny three times that you know me. Jesus called him. And Jesus told him, hey, say, Peter, hey, you got a little people pleaser inside you as well. And I'm telling you, before that sun come up, three times, and did it happen? Like if there's anybody who's not gonna fall for it, like it's gonna be Peter, like Jesus just called it. Jesus said, tonight, be on the lookout, Peter. Like you got 12 hours that someone's gonna ask you and three times that night. Once even in front of not even a guard, but in front of a servant girl. And Peter said, I don't know who this man is. Denied Christ. You remember when we were kids? Okay, remember when we were kids and you do something stupid because you were a kid. And then your parents say, why'd you do that? Say, I did it because, you know, so-and-so did that. You know, so-and-so gets to, I want to go there. Well, so-and-so gets to. And then your parents, like it's in the parent handbook. What is the parent's response when you say, I did this because so-and-so? The parents say, would you jump off a bridge if so-and-so jumped off a bridge? Okay, you remember, that's like in the parent handbook. It's the most annoying thing. I want to go to this party. Why? Because Matthew's going, well, if Matthew jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? It's the most annoying thing because what you want to scream is, I wouldn't obviously hurt myself I obviously wouldn't kill myself if Matthew was going to jump off the bridge, but I want to go to the party. Well, I'm telling you that Peter jumped off the bridge because of the people that he wanted to impress. Peter jumped off the bridge. Peter hurt himself. Peter caused tremendous pain to himself and to his best friend. Peter did the very thing that ached his heart, and he would have said a million times, I'm never, ever, ever going to do it. Why'd you do it then, Peter? Why'd you jump off the bridge? because other people were jumping off the bridge and everyone else was saying, we don't know him. And everyone else was running away from him. And everyone else, if I'd have associated with him, they'd have looked bad at me. My point is, people pleasing is a lot more powerful than we realize and all of us have to deal with it. Question for you. In what areas of life am I driven by pleasing people? What areas of life am I caving to the expectation of others? What areas of life is the approval of, and you fill in the blank, a parent, a spouse, a child, a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a former boyfriend or girlfriend? And what area of life is my behavior being snare, being driven, being controlled by what other people think or what other people say? In that area, I guarantee you, whatever area is your answer to that question, and whatever area is the answer to that question, I guarantee you, you will not have long-term peace in that area. I guarantee you, you will not have long-term joy in that area. That area that is being driven by the expectations and approval of others, that's the area where you will circle that and that will be a constant snare to you. That will be an area of constant frustration to you, an area of constant disappointment. 
Because you can never catch the approval of people. Catching the approval, the approval of people is like the wind. You can't catch it. It's like your shadow. The more you step towards it, the more it goes away from you. And those who live just to please others and get that approval from others, those are the ones who are going to always end up angry, hurt, and frustrated. So what are we going to do about it? We need a solution. The easy thing, I can make this talk real short right now, but I say the easy thing is don't do it. That's the easy answer. What should you do if you seek to please others instead of pleasing God? Don't do that anymore. What's wrong with you? Don't do that. But telling someone who struggles with people pleasing, just stop it. It's like telling someone who's afraid of heights. Just don't be afraid. It's not a big deal. Trust me. It needs something a little bit more than that. So I want to come up with a verse and a solution. A verse is going to lead us to the solution of something positive that you can do as opposed to just stop caring what other people say. Here's the verse. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. What St. Paul is saying right here, saying pleasing men, I get it. We all want to please men. We all want approval of parents or kids. We all want people to like us. I get it. And I'm not saying that's bad. But what St. Paul is saying is there's something higher. There's something better. So this is good. This is better. And that good thing is pleasing men. But the better thing is pleasing God. So I say it this way. Don't make people smaller. Make God bigger. This is how we're going to approach people pleasing. Don't make people smaller. Don't try to convince yourself, I don't care what she says about me. I don't care what she thinks about me. I don't care what they post online about me. Don't convince yourself. Don't make people smaller. Make God bigger. I've often believed that the only way to truly overcome any bad habit or any sin or anything negative, the only way is not to remove it, but to replace it. Is not to not do this, but to do this. Like the goal, eating healthy. The goal is not to not eat ice cream. The goal is to eat more vegetables. And I think if you focus only on the negative, you're doing yourself a disservice because you end up becoming actually more, thinking more about it and, and more focused on the negative thing. It takes you in a bad place. But I want to look at it the opposite. My goal is not to not care. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to care what he says. I'm not going to care what she says. I'm not going to say it that way. What I'm going to say is, I care so much about what he says. And what he says to me is bigger and bigger and bigger. And I only got this much attention in life, like it's a limited, finite amount of energy and ability to please. So the more energy and effort I put into pleasing God, the less I have to invest in pleasing people. Several years back, we did a series on insecurity. And one of the things that I said right there, I said, being obsessed with what people think is the fastest way to forget about what God thinks. Being obsessed with what people think is the fastest way to forget about what God thinks. Well, I believe the inverse is true for us here today. Being obsessed with what God thinks is the fastest way to forget about what people think. Being obsessed with what God thinks about me and God says about me and God's approval is the fastest way to stop living for the approval of people. Imagine it this way. Imagine a teacher in a classroom and a new student comes into that classroom. I know we got lots of teachers here today, so teachers can, can, can relate. You got a new student come into your classroom, and then you pull, you know, one student, you pull this student up here, and you say, okay, you know, a, a new student is coming in the class. I'd like you to, to, to look out for her, take care of her, and kind of befriend her, whatever it may be. Give her a little bit of extra attention. That person says, sure, no problem. That's it. Like, it's a good thing for that person to care for the other student. 
It's a good thing for that person to try to please the other student and say, you know what, can I help you sit with me at lunch? Like, that's a good thing. But taken to an extreme, what happens? All of a sudden, this person starts taking advantage of this person. And this person says, give me your homework. And she says, well, I have to please the other person. She gives her homework. And says, well, you took this test before. Give me the answers to the test. She gives, I have to please the other person. And now all of a sudden, she's cheating her and she's helping her cheat. Now all of a sudden, I'm the teacher. I'm pretty upset at her. And you say, why are you upset at me? I did what you asked me to do. No, 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 no. You took it to an extreme and you forgot that your goal was not to please the person. Your goal was to please me. I'm the teacher. And what happened, the way you solve this is not say don't care about her, but the goal, the solution is make the teacher higher and everyone else becomes lower. I believe the same is true in life. The higher God becomes in your life, the lower everyone else becomes. Not because they're lower or less significant or less valuable, but because God is that much higher. This past uh, week, we were at, uh, I was listening to a, a sermon okay, by uh, 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 Charles Stanley. Okay, you've heard of Charles Stanley before. The guy's been uh, serving for so many years. He's just celebrated 50 years in the ministry. Okay, he's 87 years old, and he's still like in the ministry. Like 87, he's still in the ministry. Like 87, okay? And he talks about his plans for the future. I'm like, plans for the future at 87? Like, what's the plans for the future at 87? Okay, like nap is the, the plan. <laughs> but they were asking him, and he was talking about like kind of his, his life mantra, or like how, how you got through all these years and, and everything like that. And he kept repeating it over and over. He said one phrase over and over and over and over. He said, obey God and leave the consequences to him. He kept saying it over and over. Obey God and leave the consequences to him. Obey God and leave the consequences to him. Well, I say the same thing. I'm going to please God. And I'm going to let him worry about the consequences. I'm going to worry about what does God think of me. And I'm going to let him take care of every, what everyone else thinks about me. Sometimes people will like me. Sometimes people won't like me. All I need I know it sounds overly simplistic, but I promise you, if you can take this and you can make this part of your day-to-day -day routine, the freedom and the simplicity and the clarity that will be given to you, un unimaginable. I please God. I seek his approval. And I leave the consequences to him. King David said it kind of slightly different way. He said in Psalm 34, he said, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There's no want to those who fear him. He says, fear the Lord and don't worry about anything else. You don't want, I don't want anything else if I fear the Lord and I serve him. And I'm telling you, this is a game changer. If I wake up in the morning and I say, God, my goal is to please you and trust you with all the consequences. I don't care what people think, I care what you think. I'm telling you, life, what do I wear in the morning? Becomes a lot simpler. How do I treat my wife on the way out to work? Becomes a lot simpler. What do I say when my boss? Becomes a lot simpler. How do I respond? It becomes a lot simpler. When I'm obey God, I'm trust God, I'm fear God. I'm not worried about pleasing people. Look at the inverse of that. If your goal is to make everybody like you and everybody approve you, you realize to make everybody like you and approve you is something even God himself can't do. You realize that? That God himself cannot please everybody and I'll prove it to you right now. You know how I know God can't please everybody? Because I'm a football fan. <laughs> and if you're a football fan like me, you gather on the day of the Lord every Sunday and you pray your heart out that your team would win. And then the other people on the other side of the country are praying the exact same opposite or the exact opposite of that. So you know what? Every football game, 50% of the people are disappointed with God. 50% of the people are disapproved of God. Right there right off the bat. Somebody's praying that today would be sunny. Somebody's praying today would be rainy. God's gonna have to disappoint somebody. Somebody's praying that so-and-so would get this job and someone else who also applied for the job is praying that they'd get the job as well. Someone's got to be disappointed. 
Even God himself cannot impress everybody and please everybody and get everybody's approval. So why do you think you can? All you're doing by doing that is make yourself crazy. Cause yourself frustration. I'm going to remind myself. I'm going to remind myself every day. Make God bigger people smaller. Make God bigger people smaller. Obey God. Please God. Let him worry about the results. Let him worry about who likes me and doesn't like me. Let him worry about whether I get the job or don't get the job. Let him worry about whether she invites me to the party or don't invite me to the party. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. Said another way. I can aim to please people. Or I can aim to please God. But I cannot aim at both. Simple logic, right? I can aim at this target. Or I can aim at that target. But I cannot, with one shot, aim at both. So my question for you, what are you aiming at? What's the measure of success? We all want to please. We all want to please. What, what, what determines whether you got it or didn't got it? Are you aiming at that target? Or are you aiming at that target? I'm not saying you shouldn't aim at both. I'm saying it is physically not possible to aim a bow and arrow or a gun or a Nerf ball or whatever. It is physically impossible to try to aim at two things at the same time. So what's your aim? What people say or what God say? about you no one can serve two masters what jesus said old testament no other gods before me one god you must choose <clears throat> back to workplace you know what the worst thing in a workplace environment would be you know what would be the worst you what would be like the nightmare let's say you start a new job what would be the nightmare scenario the nightmare scenario would be to get to a new job to have an idea of who you think is the boss and get this person coffee and be very kind to them and offer to like do stuff for them and kiss up and do all the stuff and then get to the review period and realize that actually that guy was the boss. The guy you ignored. The guy whose coffee cup you took to get this guy a cup of coffee. That would be like the nightmare situation. Do you agree? <clears throat> Imagine if we do that in life. I think the devil would love to do that. The devil would love to get you to say, oh yeah, this guy's the boss. What this guy thinks of you, that's the most important thing. You know how your dad never approved of you? Make it your life goal, make your dad approve of you. That's the most important thing. If you get that, you'll be in good shape. Or, 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 or you know what? That girlfriend, don't you dare let her get away. Do whatever it takes to keep her. And that boyfriend, do whatever it takes to keep him. Their approval, you don't have their approval, you will die. You will die right there on the spot. On the spot, they'll die. Devil would love to convince you and the whole time, ignoring the only one whose approval really matters, and that's God. The devil would love you to think that your goal in life is to make your parents proud. The devil would love to make you think your goal in life is never disappoint a friend. The devil would love to get you to think that your goal in life is to make your kids always happy and comfortable, never discipline them, and never whatever it may be. The devil would love to get you to think those things are your goal. The bottom line, as I said, even God himself cannot please everybody. And in fact, in fact, let's say you could please everybody. Would that be a good thing? You know what Jesus said one time? I didn't put it up on the screen, but Jesus said one time. He said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. That's what Jesus said. You know why? Because if everyone speaks well of you, that means you stand for nothing, that you've done nothing valuable in life. Because there's only one time on this planet that everyone will speak well of you, and that is when? When you die. At your funeral, people will come up here and say the nicest things about you, but as long as you're living, breathing, and trying to make a difference in this world, there'll never be a time where everyone speaks well of you, and that is not the goal. 
In fact, that's not only not the goal, that's a negative goal. Look what Jesus says right here in Luke 16, 15. He says, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. This part's harsh. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The worst thing is to spend your entire life climbing the ladder, climbing the ladder, climbing the ladder, get to the top and realize the ladder's on the wrong building the whole time. Once upon a time, true story, several years back, someone pulled a prank, which I don't know how they actually accomplished this, but they went to a Walmart around Christmas time. I don't know how they did it. It must have been an inside job. must have been like an employer or something like that because basically what they ended up doing is they went to the electronic section and switched around all the price tags and mixed up all the price tags. So you had people walk into the store and something that would, let's say, cost $1,000 had a price tag of like $10 on it. And something that was like $10 would have a price tag of like $1,000 on it. They switched all the price tags. The valuable stuff, invaluable, the invaluable stuff, valuable. And as you can imagine... When people walked in that Walmart, that whatever day that was, chaos ensued. Chaos. Because people didn't know what to do. Because we ascribe value based on the numbers on the price tag. So what you had was people walk right by like a $10,000 TV or whatever it was and say, oh, this is a piece of junk. It only costs 50 bucks. People walk right by it. And then you had people find a piece of junk and say, oh, this thing is so valuable because it costs $1,000. Chaos ensued and people didn't know what to do. I believe that the devil did the same thing. I believe that one night when everyone was asleep in their beds, the devil snuck into the earth and he switched the price tags. And he said, approval of people, make that really high. Then he went over here to the approval of God, make that really low. And then we woke up and we didn't know what to do. We said, the most valuable thing here is what? Oh, the approval of people. Oh, he thinks about me. What she thinks about me. And we, just like the people in the Walmart, were fighting. No, I need it. That's my TV. And that costs $10. That's my thing right there. And that's mine. That's mine. And people fighting. And people pushing. And people shoving. Get the approval of people. And here you have the approval of God. Just sitting on the shelf. Nobody care. Well, that thing is cheap. Or no one wants that. Which do you fight for? Be honest. Which do you fight for? Do you fight to please God? Like that's your struggle? Or you fight to please people? Which keeps you up at night? What God says about you? What God thinks about you? Or what people say about you? What people think about you? Be honest. You don't got to answer to me. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the truth is. What do you worry about? What's the first thing you think about in the morning? What's kind of your guiding principle in your mind all throughout the day? Approval of people or approval of God? I say to you, if you're living for the approval of people, you will never win the game. You will lose every time because you can never, ever, ever get that. And it's chasing after the wind. It's trying to capture, it's trying to catch your shadow and put it into a bottle and hold on to it and never go away. It's a game where you will always end up frustrated, always end up anger. And I couldn't say enough opposites about when you only seek to please God. The peace, the clarity that it gives you to say, I only have one objective. Please God, leave consequences to him. Psalm 149, verse two through four. says, let Israel, Israel being like the people of God, which would be us here today, let Israel rejoice in their maker. 
Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. That's us. Let us rejoice. Let us be joyful in our king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with timbrel and harp. Why? For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. And what King David says right here is that's enough reason for me to celebrate. I have the pleasure of the only one that matters. He's pleased with me. He loves me. Because of that, I will rejoice. People may call me crazy. People may say what they want. I may not be the most popular boy, but the Lord takes pleasure in me. That's all that I need. Once I heard a story of an eight-year-old girl who was wise beyond her years. An eight-year-old girl. Someone at her school, as eight-year-olds are often do, called her dumb and said, you're dumb, you're a loser. That's what an eight-year-old said to this eight-year-old girl. And she came home from school, and she told this story to her dad. She said, this boy or this girl, whatever it was, said, I'm dumb, I'm a loser. So the dad, of course, you know, how did you respond? What did you say back? Listen to what this girl did. Girl said, I just laughed at them. I laughed at them. I said, why you laughed at them? I laughed at them, and I told them they didn't know the truth. They were wrong. Because my daddy told me I'm smart, and my daddy told me I'm special. She wasn't upset at them. She wasn't angry. She's just like, oh, you have your facts wrong. (laughs) I'm not the dumb one. I'm not the loser. Because my father actually told me that I'm smart and I'm special. She goes on. My dad told me I'm so special that the world can only handle one of me. (laughs) So while you think I'm dumb, or you think I'm a loser, unfortunately, you're wrong. Because my daddy told me that I'm special. I think we can learn from that girl. What do you do when the world tells you that you're dumb? You don't fit in. What do you do when the world says that you're not approved? You're not good enough. You're not cool enough. Your car isn't fancy enough. What does the world tell you when, when, when you haven't made it in the world's eyes that you're not there yet? What do you do? I think we need to do what this little girl said. Well, actually, you're, you're, you're mistaken. Unfortunately, world, society, culture, boss, boyfriend, girlfriend, I'm sorry, you think that way? You're incorrect. Because I am special. I'm child of the King Most High. I'm beloved. I'm chosen. I'm sanctified. I am blessed. I am the best. I am the only one of me. And I'm so special. I'm so special. There can only be one of me in this world. And when God made me, you know what? All the angels were like, wow, I broke the mold. I added that one myself. That's not the girl. That's kind of my own thing right there. You know what? What do you say when you don't get the approval of others? I look up and I say, do I have your approval? He says to me, you're my son. You're my daughter. You know what makes my kids approved in my eyes? Not their grades, not their sports achievements, certainly not the the status of their room right now. Okay, that's certainly not it. (laughs) What makes my kids approved in my eyes? Their last name. Because as long as their last name stays the same, and even the girl when she gets married, but you know what I'm trying to say, okay? They're my kids. They're my kids. And as long as they're my kids, they're approved. No matter what the grades, no matter what the athletic achievements, no matter what the status of that room that pains me to say. They're my children. I take pleasure in them. They're approved. 
Kids in school might not like them. Their fault. Their mistake. Their loss. Some boy may say this. Some girl may say that. Their loss. Some may say they're not special. Their loss. I hope my kids would say, I don't need to fight for approval from people because I have the approval of someone that matters much more. I think God wants us to say the same thing. Leave you all with this thought. We don't live for the approval of others. We live from the approval of the only one that matters. Caring what people's approval. We don't live for the approval of others. We live from the approval of the only one that matters. Caring about people's approval is like caring what the cleaning staff thinks about me and not caring what the CEO thinks about me. As much as my due respect to the cleaning staff in the office, I want them to like me. What I really care about is what the CEO thinks of me much more than what they think of me. I need to have that same attitude in life. We don't live for approval. We live from it. And my question to you is, do you live for approval or from it? Who's number one in your life? Where's the snare? Where's the hook? What's guiding you and driving you to decide, like I said, how you dress, how you act, music you listen to, phone you buy, car you drive, house? What's driving those decisions in your behavior? Is it approval of God or approval of people? You can have either one, but you can't have both. You can't aim at both at the same time, so you must choose. And the goal of life, you know all those verses where Jesus says you have to hate your father and mother and hate everyone around you? It's not that you actually hate because Jesus is God of love, not God of hate. But the point is that I love him so much, so much, so much, so much that everything else seems like hate. And that he is so far, number one, that the number two is so far away that it looks like hate in comparison. It's exactly like when a boy gets engaged to a girl. And the same thing happened to a boy, and he's hanging out with the guys, and he's one of the guys. He gets engaged. He falls in love. We don't see the boy anymore. The boy left us. The boy whatever. No, the boy doesn't care. The boy doesn't have any negative against you. But you know what? The boy has a new person that he's in love with. And he's so in love with her and his desire is to please her and be with her so much that to everybody else, the friends who get abandoned in the background, it seems like hate. And it seems like he's disowned you, but he didn't disown you. He just fell in love with the only one that matters. That's our goal in life. Last verse, 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. How would your life look different if this verse was true of you, that our only purpose is to please God, not please others. What would that do to your level of anger? What would that do to your level of stress? What would that do to the frustration that you so often experience in life if you only sought the approval of the only one that matters in this world? Not because you don't care what other people think, but because you care so much more about what he thinks. Let's stand together for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us, and that you've given us your name, called us by your name, which is precious. Thank you that despite all of our shortcomings, you take pleasure in us. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would allow us to live only to please you, and that all those people pleasing and seeking approval from others, that all that stuff that we really struggle with, Lord, that you would do a work inside of us and that you, Lord, would increase and everyone else in this world would decrease. That your opinion of us and your view of us, Lord, will be what we live for and what drives everything that we do. We pray this in the name of your Son with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Here it says, we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.